thank you for who you are and for what you have done for us. Jesus, every gift that we could ever offer you seems so much smaller than what you have done. Lord, you know what this Christmas season represents to each of us. Lord, you know the family that is close to us and the family that isn't. Lord, you know the physical ailments that we've experienced this week, both ourselves and in our our circle of influence and our families. Lord, this morning we want to lift up Jackie to you, specifically, Lord, that um, you would heal whatever's going on. Jesus, that she would be able to join us again. Lord, that this would not hinder her ability to worship you during this Christmas season. Lord, and that she would be able to see your hand throughout it. Holy Spirit, we pray knowing that you are with us every single day. God, but Sundays we, we take a moment in time and we open our ears and we lean in and hope to hear your voice. Jesus, there's so many other things that we could think about, that we could worry about. Lord, but for this time, we set it apart as holy and anointed just for you. God, just for you to to lean in and to whisper in our hearts a message of hope. Lord, I think that there's so many things that the enemy would love to tell us is more important. Whether it's the gifts, or the food, or the family, or the chaos, Jesus, or even the sadness that we carry, Jesus, there's so many things that that vie for our attention. But God, we want to focus in on you. there's anything this morning that that you walked in with that could come between you and listening to what the Lord has to say in the quietness of your heart would you just name that Jesus in a season where we focus in on how, how you came into this world so small We know that your hands are so big and they are able to carry whatever we brought in. Jesus, not just to carry it, but to show your goodness and your love in the midst of it. Holy Spirit, I know that you heard the things that we named. God, can we hand them over to you? Trusting that you are trustworthy that you say what you mean, and you mean what you say. Holy Spirit, help us to not lose sight of the beauty of who you are during this Christmas season. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we ask that you would speak to us and draw near to us this morning as we draw near to you. It's in your precious and holy name the name of Jesus that we pray all of these things. Amen. Good morning. Good morning.
How are you guys? Tired. Tired? I heard tired. Do I, hear, do I have another one? Do I have another one? In the back, in the back. Tired. tired. Dang it. <laughs> Ugh, coffee. We need some coffee up in this. There it is. There it is. Uh, well, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Um, last week, if you guys were here, or if you remember, we talked about the shepherds. Yeah, we talked about them and how they received this great gift of Jesus. And so this is where we're going to jump right back in, in Luke 2. So if you want to pull out your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke 2, chapter 17. It says, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So I love this because I know people like this. Um, I am one of these people like this. But the shepherds show up. They dump these, this huge pile of news on these people. And then what do they do? They leave. Okay? Do you know anybody like that? Um, I sometimes get like that. I get really excited about something. And I forget like it's going to affect how people like, react to that news. Uh, one day, I was spending some time with the Lord, and I felt like I needed to get a tattoo on my arm uh, just to represent the season of life that I was in. And I called my tattoo artist. He had an opening, and I just went down there. And on the way there, I texted Elizabeth, and I said, I'm going to get tatted up today. Uh, should be fun. And by the time I had hit set, not even a millisecond after that, I had a phone call from Elizabeth. And she was like, wait, what? <laughs> what is going on right now? And so the shepherds are kind of like this. They, they just dump this news um, on these folks that just had a baby, miraculously, and they head out. And, and they exclaim this amazing news to Mary and Joseph and the animals and the wise men, potentially. They exclaim this news, and then they leave. Interesting. Verse 18, it says, All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. You know, this, they say this news, and they say, This is good news for the whole world. And everybody's jaws drop to the floor. And everybody is astonished. Verse 19, But Mary... Now, if you're following along, I want you to highlight this verse. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. There are a lot of responses that night to Jesus, aren't there? Caesar Augustus was writing a decree. The angels were proclaiming peace. Uh, the shepherds were witnessing. The people were amazed, but not Mary. Mary was treasuring these things up in her heart. The word treasure up literally means to collect or to cluster things together. Uh, the word ponder here means to, to throw things together. So she was collecting the pieces and putting them together. She was collecting the things that she had heard and pondering them in her heart. Now, I am not what a lot of people call a patient woman. I'll admit that to you, because uh, it's probably cheaper than therapy. Um, I'm not a patient woman. <laughs> um, but one of the things that this shows in is putting together a puzzle. Now, does any of you, just before I launch into this, this, this diatribe, does anybody do the Christmas puzzle thing at your family, like every year? Oh, good. We got sane people in the place, so that's good. Um, but some families, they have this tradition where every Christmas they put a puzzle together. 
Now, I tried to like puzzles, okay? I really gave it a good college try. Uh, Valerie and I went to Walmart one day. We got a Star Wars puzzle, and it had Luke and Leia and Han and Darth and C-3PO and Chewbacca. Everybody was in it. It was great. And we were like really jazzed. And I remember this because uh, we went home and I was like, we're going to start Puzzle Club up here. And this is probably like the most single lady thing we've ever done, okay? Um, but well, we were like, we're going to start Puzzle Club and this is going to be awesome. And the entire time, Elizabeth is like, you guys are idiots. Um, but we were so excited. And so we get this puzzle and we lay it all out and we start movies so that we can watch them and put the puzzle together. And man, you know, you start in the puzzle with grouping things together, don't you? Specifically the edge pieces. And so we start putting the edge pieces together and hours pass by and all we have to show for it is an inch border around a three foot tall picture that I have on the side of a box. I was, to say the least, I was disappointed, okay? And disappointment turned into discouragement. Okay, and discouragement fueled some disenchantment about puzzles. And disenchantment just turned into straight up rage. And the longer that I worked on this puzzle, the bigger it seemed to became. And the more I started thinking, you know, if you want to look at this picture, why don't you just look at this box? You know? And if you want to try to solve problems, I got problems, you can solve those things. I don't need to worry about this. Like, why? What is the point of puzzles? And I could not get it. And I tell you this this morning because, you know, it's just, been, it's just been bugging me, but also because you have all of these pieces and you have to organize them. You know, if you're good at this, you, you put them in clumps of things based on what they look like. And as you go through them, you find out that things are not what they seem. You know, what you first thought was, um, was Luke's lightsaber turns out to be a reflection in C-3PO's arm. You know, what you think is Darth Vader's mask turns out to be Leia's hair. And it's maddening. It's completely insane. We are fitting these tiny pieces together. And even though they make sense in a small way, the picture at large is a mystery. I think that this to a small degree, is what Mary must have felt like. She was collecting clusters of pieces. When, when Gabriel showed up to her, she collected a cluster of pieces. You know, um, when, when this happened, this occurs, it says that it occurs in the imperfect tense. And the imperfect tense is the uh, present participle, which is not past, present, or future, it's all three. It means that it happened before, it's happening now, and it has implications for the future. And so what Mary does when it says that she ponders, that means that nine months ago, when Gabriel showed up, she was pondering these things in her heart. She was collecting the pieces and putting them together. That means that when she went to visit her friend Elizabeth, you know, in like Wesley Oaks retirement facility, and she's pregnant, you know, a 70-year-old lady who is who's pregnant with John the Baptist, and the baby leaps inside of her. She, she collects the pieces. 
and she ponders them in her heart. When she comes home and Joseph says that he has had a dream, she collects the pieces, she clusters them together, and she ponders them in her heart. And she has more and more pieces. And when Caesar Augustus issued a census saying that everybody had to go to their hometown, which meant that she was going to the city of David, the light went on and she collected more pieces and she started to put it all together. She put together, maybe, that in my body is somebody who is infinite and finite in one person. In one person there is perfection and there is infirmity in one person. In my body there is spirit and flesh together. There is revelation and response together. These are some confusing pieces, aren't they? And she ponders them. And they're clicking together slowly. And about this time, the shepherds show up. And they give information to Mary that she didn't already have. This is what they say. Verse 10. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Mary was not used to hearing this. We are. Because we know the end of the story. This is the first time that she is hearing this. She formed conclusions about God in her mind and how he worked. And the fact that the angel Gabriel shows up to look at her and he, he says things in a Jewish sort of way. Look at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 32. He says, He will be great and he will be called Son of the Most High King and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. It says he will receive the throne of who? David. That's a Jew. And he will reign over the house of who? Jacob. That's Israel. And so when Mary gives her Magnificat, when she is praising God for all that is going to happen, she speaks in a language that leans towards the Jews. When she's praising God, she says this in verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to who? Abraham and to his offspring forever. See, Mary thought that she already had a bigger picture of what was happening. And these shepherds show up and they blow it all to bits. They say, I bring good news for all people. And she says, no, you bring good news for the Jews. It says, I bring good news for, for all people, meaning that I bring good news for the irreligious people. I bring good news for the people that are not allowed into the temple. And she must think, how could this child be born to us and for the world? And she references Abraham. Now, who knows Abraham? We all know Abraham, right? Um, Mary talks about Abraham in her Magnificat, and she says uh, that, that this is going to be um, to Abraham and his offspring forever. 
Now, there are three things that we need to know about Abraham, and I think would really summarize the three things that we need to know um, in order to connect the story. And the first thing is this. Abraham was God's solution for a universal problem. In other words, the world was covered in darkness. Man had no idea and no way of how to connect with God or to know what God would want. And God sends Abraham a solution to a universal problem. He sends one man. Not somebody who is going to live outside of the problem. God sends one man who lives inside the problem, who lives among the people, with the people. Second thing that we have to know is that he wasn't just a man. Abraham was a people. All right, now warm up your vocal cords because mine are struggling this morning. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right on. <laughs> right? Abraham is not just a person, but he is a people. Father Abraham had many sons, and the Lord starts a great nation through Abraham. Abraham is not just a man, but he's children who believe how Abraham believed. They are people that live as a social alternative to this world in the midst of this problem. In the midst of the universal problem of sin, they live set apart. As the people of God, they turn into Israel, his chosen people. And the last thing that we have to know is that God worked through Abraham. Now that, point, that word is very important. God worked through Abraham. See, the genius of Abraham is not what God did to him or in him, even though that was marvelous but it's what God did through him. That, that he was sent into the world and he says, I will make you a great nation, which is step one, or step two, sorry, step two. And then step three, it says, I will, through you, I will bless all nations. Now Mary knows all of this. From the first time that she stepped foot near the temple as a little girl, she learned about Father Abraham. She knew this story. It was taught to her. She memorized it. She repeated it. And now she finds herself hearing that this plan was not just for those people. It was not just for the Jews, but it was for the irreligious. Let's jump back into the story. So eight days after Jesus is born, this guy named Simeon, he's an old guy who was hanging around, and he feels moved by the Spirit to go to the temple that day. And look what happens. Luke 2, verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the customs of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, don't try this at your neighborhood Walmart, okay? Like, this does not work, okay? <laughs> um, it does not matter what you have to say after that. The first thing, if you grab somebody's baby, you're going to get hit, okay? Um, but Simeon, he does this. 
He sees Mary and Joseph walk in and being moved by the Spirit, he grabs Jesus and he takes him in his arms. And this is what he says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Peculiar. And the glory of your people, Israel. He exclaims that this baby is a light to the Gentiles. And he says, this is glory for the people of Israel. And suddenly, the pieces start clicking. And the bigger picture shows itself to Mary. Maybe this child has come to us for the world. Maybe incarnation is that God is with us and in the world. And that changes everything. See, because at a certain point in history, the world was covered in darkness. It was covered in the darkness of sin and men had no way of connecting with God or even knowing what he wants. And humanity lives in this universal problem of sin. And God sends one man to solve a universal problem. But this time it is not Abraham, it is a baby born in a barn to a virgin and her fiance. It is a baby named Jesus. And he will not be above the world, but you will live immersed in it. He will not be separate from it. No, he will live inside of the problem and he will detonate life. He will live among us and detonate life. He does not stand over top of the world and preach at it. He does not uh, stand beside the world and judge it. But he goes inside and carries its sin vicariously. But this Jesus isn't just a person, he's a people. He is a tribe, he is a nation, he is a church. These people believe not just in Jesus, but they believe Jesus. These people believe what Jesus believes, and so as they live inside of the problem, they become a social alternative to what is happening in the world. And they become the solution to a universal problem. And they're not about, about what God is doing to them and in them, but they are what, about, or what God is doing through them. What God is doing through our church is much, important, much more important of, than what God is doing to our church. But how he is unleashing us into this world. And so what does that mean for us today? What does that mean Christmas 2020, 2019? It means that Christmas is not just a religious holiday, but it's a secular event for the entire world. It was meant for all people. It is the proclamation of good news for all of the world that God sent this man to carry our sins and to fix a universal problem. And we who know Jesus and believe what he says, we're called to allow him to change our lives, to change our households, to change our friends, to change our conversations, and to be a light when the world is covered in darkness. 
And that's the beauty of God taking on skin and being born in a world of sin. And the genius is not what he does to you or in you, but through you. And this is kind of beautiful because, I don't know if you knew this, but you're like God's plan A for this world. You know, um, you're as good as it gets. Turn to your neighbor and you just tell him, I'm as good as it gets. <laughs> that doesn't feel right, does it? <laughs> you know? Uh, that doesn't feel, feel so good. <laughs> I am as good as it gets. <laughs> and yet that's so true that God would send each of you into this universal problem of sin to be a light. I want to end on a story today. Uh, it's the story of a man named George Harley. Uh, George Harley uh, was a North Carolina boy. <laughs> he went to Duke University. After that, he went to Yale. After Yale, he went to the London School of Medicine. And while becoming a doctor, he decided that he felt called to be a missionary. And so he built what he called an interior mission in Liberia. Now, this interior mission was a clinic where he saw about 160 people a day. It was known uh, in his records that he would see 10,000 people each year. And so uh, Harley, he decided, you know, I'm making a really good run of it as a doctor. I'll also preach them the gospel. And so he built a church and nobody showed up. And he preached week after week to an empty room. He wrote in his journal this. He said, I'm discouraged because the people who want my medicine don't want my gospel. They want their bodies to be healed, but they don't care about their souls. Now, while Harley was there, his son, he had a five-year-old son who was out one morning running outside. And Harley said that he could see him in the distance and his son, mid-run, fell to the ground. And he got scared, and he watched him for a minute, and he got up, and his son started running again, and then fell mid-step again. And he ran out there and saw his feverish son convulsing violently, and he took his boy in his arms, and he said, son, you don't have to worry. Your daddy's a doctor and I will heal this illness. Harley went on tirelessly to try to find a solution to this. And unfortunately, his time had run out. And he committed his son's life to Christ, and that night the boy died in the middle of Liberia. Harley said that uh, he went down to a place where they collected wood and he fashioned together what looked like a coffin for his boy. And he carried his son out to an open field to, to bury him there. As he was out there and as he was walking, an older gentleman found him. And he said, what's in the box? What are you doing? And Harley said, this is my son. I could not save him. And so I'm going to go bury him. The older man got up and he grabbed the other side of the box and he carried it with him. 
And as they walked in silence, the air was just heavy. The heat just fell on them. When they got to a, an open field, they started digging and taking turns with the shovel. Finishing with the burial, Harley said that he collapsed from the heat, the exhaustion, and the pain of just feeling alone. He said, I was a medical doctor 8,000 miles away from any family. I had failed my son, and I had just put him in the ground. And with all of this weight on top of him, Harley started to cry. And this old man, he knelt down and started looking in his face for what Harley says was an uncomfortable amount of time. And suddenly the old man got up and ran towards the village and exclaimed, white man, white man, he cries just like we do. Harley went home that night to his wife and they sat in silence contemplating leaving. And they heard a knock at the door. And on the other side of that door was the entire village, all led by this one older gentleman. They said that was great, but, but we still should leave. That Sunday, his church was packed. There were people pouring in, so much so that people had to lean in through the windows just to hear him preach the gospel. Same man. But now he was in the problem. Now he cried just like we do. See that? That is the beauty of the incarnation. That's the beauty of Christmas. Is that God saw all of the pain and the suffering and the heartache. And he cried just like you do. And he lived just like you do. And he didn't come into this world and send an email. He didn't send a text message. He didn't send someone else. He didn't come preaching. He came living. He came living and elevating people that were marginalized. That's the beauty of Christmas, is that it started in a manger, but it ended in the Savior of the world. And as I, this morning as I thought about our series, All I Want for Christmas, this really is all that we ever want, not just for Christmas, but every day. I don't need a God that sits on top of the hill and judges me from a distance. I need a Savior that walks with me, who cries with me, who lives with me. This morning, we're going to light our candles and sing, O Holy Night. And as we do that, I wonder if you could pray and meditate on that truth that God is with you, Emmanuel, God with us. Would you pray with me? Lord, you are a God that is not separate from us. You're a God that is, is glorious and perfect and mighty and yet you are also with us. And that changes everything. Jesus, in the midst 
of all the things that this Christmas could represent. God, I pray that you would allow this time to focus our hearts on who you were, on how you came. Lord, we're sorry for what we have made this Christmas to be. Lord, but I think of that holy night Lord, where there were cattle and shepherds and wise men and a new light for the entire world. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this hope. God, we thank you for for this peace that you've given us. God, we thank you that you are a God that does not stand at a distance, but you cry right next to us. Lord, I I thank you that you are a God that follows us into everything that we have in the next few days. God, that when we lean on you, we will find you. In Jesus' name, amen.